Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. As Pastor Chuck said on the front end, we're in a series called The Invitation. And it's this idea that God has always been at work, that this life is really about what God is up to. And so when you, when you sort of zoom out from our day-to-day lives and you zoom out from our world and you zoom out from all the stuff that's in front of us, it's really about what God is up to, that ever since before time even existed, that God has been at work. And throughout history, what God has done is he's extended this great invitation for us to join him in his work. And and so I just wanna start today by saying that I realize that it's possible for us to wake up and to be someplace that we never thought we'd be. I mean, it's possible to wake up and to think, man, I thought by now I would be somewhere else. I thought by now, maybe for our high schoolers, you're like, I thought I'd be graduated by now. Or for our college students, I thought I'd be graduated from college by now. Hey, I I thought even I would have declared a major and stuck with it by now. I don't know what that is, right? For some parents, you thought I would be half empty nesters by now. For some people, you thought I'd be married by now. For some people, you thought I would have a happy marriage by now. For some of you thought you would be retired by now. For some of you thought you'd be somewhere else. And if we'd be honest, we've all woken up with this awareness at times that we're nowhere that we thought we would be, that it's easy in our lives. It's easy if we're not careful just to wake up and to recognize we've drifted, to wake up and to recognize that that when we started out, there was a destination we had in mind, but somewhere along the way, we drifted. And there's a lot of great examples of this for me. I remember growing up, I don't don't know, it seemed like all summer long, you guys were on vacation. I saw uh, beach pictures after beach pictures after beach pictures. And I was praying that you would have fun and praying against you all at the same time. I was like, I wanna be there. Is that okay? Is that, can I admit that as a pastor that, yeah, I was a little jealous. And so I I saw these beach pictures and it reminded me when I was a kid, we'd always, we'd go to, um, to Fort Walton Beach near Destin and Panama City, all that. We'd go to Fort Walton Beach. And I remember as a kid, I absolutely loved it. We'd you know, do all the sandcastle stuff and we'd go play in the waves and all that. And I remember distinctly this one time I went out into the waves and just playing, 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 playing. I, I don't know how much time went by, an hour, two hours, whatever. And then I looked up and I didn't recognize anything on the shore. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had that where you're just out in the water, you're doing your own thing and the riptide or whatever happens And an hour, two hours later, you look up and you're like, man, I don't recognize any of that. And so as a little kid, I start swimming, start swimming, start swimming, and the riptide's going against you. And so I have that little meltdown. I don't know if you've ever had the meltdown in the water, but I have this meltdown where I'm like, we're going to die, right? I don't know if you had that this summer, but I had that moment where I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it back to the shore. And, you know, obviously I made it because I'm a stut. No, just kidding. It's my story. I can... I can tell how I want to. Why are you laughing? That's wrong. So finally I make it back to the shore and I'm all panicked. And it's this idea that even with the best intentions, any of us can drift. And so today, maybe it's in your marriage, you've drifted. Maybe it's uh, in your walk with Christ, you've drifted. I, I don't know where that drift is for you today, but I believe the invitation that God has for every single one of us is this invitation that while we have time, While we have margin, while we're still here, it is not too late, it is not too late to recalibrate our lives 
and to go in the direction God has for us. I think it's Mark Twain that said it this way. He said, the two most important days in your life is number one, the day you're born, and then number two, the day you discover why. Morning, what I would say to all of us in this room that, that there, there's two truths about that. One, generically for every single one of us, the reason why we're still here, the reason why we still have breath, the reason why we're still on this earth is because God wants us to become more like his son, Jesus. That is why we're here. That the goal is today, I would look more like Jesus than I did yesterday. The goal is that this week, I'd look more like Jesus than the last week. That this year, I'd look more like Jesus than last year. So for everybody in here, we're created for relationship. And so the first thing about why we're on this earth is to know him. But I believe there's a second piece about that. That one, that's true broadly, that, that God has a reason that we're here and it's for us to grow in our faith. But I think also specifically, God has an invitation He'd say to every young man, he'd say to every young lady, he'd say to every married person, he'd say to every single person in this room, he'd say to every young adult, to every senior adult, God has something specific that he wants you to do. And so my question is, well, how would you know it? I mean, how would you know that God has something for you? How would you know what that plan is? Because here's what I believe this morning as I stand up here, is I believe that God has a huge plan for your life. Whether you grew up in church or out of church, whether you are close to God or far away, whether you grew up near the things of God or far, far away, I think the truth for all of us is that God has a huge plan for your life. And the second truth about that is I believe that if you could see it, if you would know what God wants you to do with your life, you don't want to miss it. So if you have your Bibles today, I wanna look at just a couple of verses that come right out of Acts chapter 13. So if you have a Bible or if you have a device, I'm gonna invite you to follow along. Or if you're a note taker, we've got a little section in our bulletin today that you can write notes. Or if I bore you, you can play tic-tac-toe with the person next to you, whatever you wanna do with that, I'm not judging. But I'm gonna invite you to write down what I think are some conditions, some elements that God uses to help us to know what he wants us to do. It's not too late. It's, you're not too far gone. God has a plan for you and you don't wanna miss it. Father, I pray that this day you'd help us to hear your voice, help us to hear your desire. God, help all of us, myself included, to know what it is that you want us to do and to say yes. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, look at Acts chapter 13. This ought to be encouraging to you. I've only got three verses today. That's pretty good, right? Three verses. So have your Bibles look at it or device or on the screens. Here's what it says, Acts 13, verse one. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod and Saul. Verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Last week, Pastor Tripp taught from Acts chapter nine and we saw this powerful conversion where this guy named Saul becomes Paul. This person that used to be a hater of the church becomes a promoter of the church. This person that used to uh, basically put Christians to death, 
has a life-changing encounter with Jesus himself. And so in Acts chapter nine, what we read about is Paul becoming saved. Paul having his life forever changed, his dead heart coming to life. And now in Acts chapter 13, this person that was saved is now being sent out. There comes this crossroads that, that his life has been changed by Jesus, that Jesus met him on that road to Damascus and everything changed about his life. And one of the things that Jesus said to him in Acts chapter nine is you're gonna be my messenger. You're gonna take this good news that, that salvation is possible. You're gonna take this good news that forgiveness is possible and you're gonna take it and you're gonna be my messenger to everybody on the globe. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, there's this crossroads. Am I gonna stay here and be comfortable? Am I just gonna live here uh, in Antioch around other people that believe like me and look like me and talk like me? Am I, am I just gonna hang out in my little bubble that's safe and it's comfortable? Or am I going to say yes to being the messenger that God called me to be? There's four elements I want you to write down. Number one, it's already been on the screen. So some of you already cheated and you wrote it down. But element number one of how do we hear and recalibrate from this drift? Number one, we need to be in the right place. We need to be in the right place. If we're gonna recalibrate our lives, if we're gonna refocus our lives, if we're gonna, if we're gonna say, you know what, maybe I've drifted. Maybe I've drifted the last year, two years, 10 years, 50 years. I don't know how long it is for you. But what I do know is the moment you recognize you've drifted, that is the call to recalibrate. That's the call to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix my direction. Last night, I, I went to the airport to pick up my mother-in-law and uh, we went out to eat on the way down to the airport. We had some time to kill, so we went out to eat down in Buckhead. And I'm telling you, Saturday night in Buckhead, it, it increased my prayer life. I was like, dear Lord, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know why all these people are so angry. Why are all the honking horns, right? I'm stuck in traffic. Uh, near Linux and all, all that stuff. And so by the time I got moving again, I was totally going the wrong direction. And I don't know if your car has the GPS or not. I, I don't have built in, but I've got it on my phone. And on my phone, it just starts yelling at me, recalculating route, recalculating route, recalculating route. I'm thinking, I'm gonna recalculate you out the window. I mean, I'm getting like frustrated, right? And that's not helpful. The helpful thing is that once you recognize you're off course is to readjust. And I think the first element of readjusting is number one, being in the right place. When you look at verse one of chapter 13, it says, now there were in the, look at this phrase, there were in the church at Antioch. So when Paul is hearing this challenge to go and be my messenger, when Paul hears that crystal clear call, the time is now, Paul, for you to do what I've created you to do. The place that Paul heard that was he was in the church. In other words, he was in the place that he could hear God speak. He was in a place he could hear God speak. He was in a place that talked about the things of God. He was in a place that, that, that was dialed in to say, there's something bigger than you. There's a story that's larger than you. There's purpose to your life that goes beyond just the nine to five or just getting to retirement or just whatever. He was in a place that challenged him to grow. He was in a place that challenged him not to settle. He was in a place that literally shaped his life. Now, I know maybe for, for a lot of you, maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could be that Sugar Hill Church is the very first church you've been a part of. And I think that's awesome. 
A couple of weeks ago, I was in our new members' next membership breakfast, and I, a lot of times I get to hear stories of how people ended up here. And certainly there's people that grew up in church that come to next, but there's been a lot of people that either grew up in church and walked away or they've never been part of the church. And so I don't know what your story is, but I know in my own life, when I look back at my own life and I look at how God has shaped me, literally the church has shaped my life. When I was a little kid, my family went to a Presbyterian church. So I was born in Montgomery, Alabama. So we went to this Presbyterian church. I don't remember anything about it because I was like a little little preschooler or whatever. I, I don't remember much about it, but I remember two things. I remember every Sunday morning they served jungle juice and then they had the cookies with the little hole in the center. So I put them on my fingers like rings. And so I was a little pre-K, bling, bling, whatever, right? And so I remember that about it. And then I've got an older brother that's four years older than me. And so when he got to be youth age, we moved churches to a Methodist church about a mile down the road from us because they had a youth program. They had a healthy youth program. And I know that's the reason why we've got so many great families here. We have an incredible student ministry here. And so we moved to that church. And I, 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 here's what I remember about it. I was in elementary school at this time and we sang from the, the hymnals. But every time the person said, turn in your hymnal, I thought, literally, I thought he was saying, turn in your hippos. So that's, I was not a bright kid, right? Born, born in Alabama, <laughs> grew up most of my life in Mississippi. So I'm a little slow, right? And then when, I, when we moved to Mississippi, it was the very first church that I ever heard somebody say amen out loud during a sermon. So my pastor was getting all preachery, he'd get all yelling, spitting, bursting in flames. You know, sometimes us preacher types do, we get all excited. And he's like, Jesus. And somebody down the, the row from me was like, amen. And as a sixth grader, I had never, I had never heard that before. And so have you ever been in one of those moments where you're not supposed to laugh, but you can't help but to laugh? Has that ever happened to you, whether it's in a serious moment in church or if you're at a funeral or a wedding where, where, where you're trying not to laugh and the harder you try not to laugh, the more, so, so that's me. Like I don't, I, I'm not very expressive. So I don't, I don't like laugh out loud all that much. Sometimes I get a good belly laugh, but when that happens, man, and I'm trying to hold it in, my shoulders start shaking. And the more my shoulders start shaking, the whole row starts shaking, right? And so that, that's what I remember, literally, that's what I, the first time I went to that church. There's a lot of crazy things about church. I mean, I, I, when I was in middle school, so I got saved in the sixth grade. It was, it was, so these people, I, I was baptized when I was in, in the sixth grade. In middle school, I started serving at church. I showed up at church one Sunday morning and the sound guy didn't show up. And so the, the worship leader came to me and said, hey, press play when I nod at you. There, there used to be these things called cassettes. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of these. And so I, I, I had to cue that up and I had to play that. I was the sound guy that on Sunday night, somebody would get up to sing a special music and I had the wrong side of the tape cued up. And so it'd be that awkward moment in church. And now as a pastor, I've preached in a lot of churches. I, I've followed random things in preaching. I've, I've followed a tuba solo at one church before I got, I, so there's strange things that happen at church. I went to one church that when I walked into the men's bathroom, the stalls were labeled first John and second John. <laughs> and there's this poster of Moses in the middle saying, let my people go. I mean, church, church can have, church can have some odd things about it. But when I think about my life without the church, it scares me because it was in the church that I heard about a savior that loved me no matter what. 
It was in the church that I learned that he died once and all for my sins, that I didn't need to try to earn my way into relationship with him, that there was this great exchange when I put my faith where he put my sins in the cross of Jesus, my life was forever changed. It was in the church that I heard somebody like me stand up and say, God has a plan for your life and you don't wanna miss it. It was in the church that I learned that every single person born on this planet is born in the image of God. And because of that, they have great value, whether they look like me, whether they talk like me, whether they even believe like me, they are born in the image of God and that person is going to last forever someplace. It was in the church that I learned uh, generosity, that the world doesn't revolve around me and that, that, that this money that I have in my bank account doesn't really belong to me. It's on loan from God and it's my job to manage his money the way that he wants me to. It's through the church that I realized that the world is bigger than me and that there's people around the globe that God's plan is for them to hear his good news, but they're not gonna hear unless people here take that and export that around the world. I'm telling you, my life would be so sad and empty without the church. The church literally shaped my life. Man, if you want to recalibrate if you want to get back on sync, number one, I would say you need to be in the right place and then close behind that. Number two, a second way God recalibrates our life is not only in the right place, but number two, with the right people. With the right people. Who we spend time with matters. Who we hang out with matters. The voices that we allow to speak into our life those voices are powerful. I've heard somebody say this. They said, you become like the five people you hang out the most with. Those five people you hang out with, those five people you're texting, those five people you talk to, those, that person you pick up the phone when, when life is falling apart, uh, you become like those five people. And I've heard another pastor say it this way. He said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And what I've discovered in my own life when I'm trying to recalibrate and when I recognize there's been drift in my life, what I've recognized is it's really hard to live the right kind of life when you have the wrong kind of voices that are in your life. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think this is just the message we need to teach the next generation. And certainly it's powerful. I mean, our, our students get this, but I, I would just say to all of us, no matter what age or stage we are in this room, it's never, it's never a time for us to stop thinking about what voices we're allowing to shape our life. When you look at Acts 13, it says after this first phrase, now they were in the church, they were in Antioch and Antioch is this amazing church that was growing and growing and growing. I wish we had time to talk about it, but man, that church preached that one message of Jesus and it began to explode. So they're in this place, they could hear God speak, but then here's what it says in the next part of verse one. And there were prophets and teachers there. There are people that took the word of God and spoke it into their lives. There's people that, that helped make plain. There's people that, that said, hey, you know what? The goal of this book is not just to read it and to talk about it, but to have it change our lives. And then it goes on to list some of the people that were there. Barnabas, who is in the New Testament an encourager, he's a person that stood up for Paul when everybody's questioning his motives. In Acts chapter nine, when Paul's life is changed, there's a lot of people that were skeptical. I don't know about Paul. He used to persecute people. He's tricking us. And Barnabas was the first person that stood up for him. So he's hanging out with people like Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Manian, a lifelong, and Saul, man, in that church were people that helped them grow. 
I think in every single one of our lives, if we're not careful, we'll allow the wrong voices shape us. We'll allow, allow the wrong people. We'll allow the wrong talk show hosts. We'll allow the wrong news channels. We'll allow the wrong voices to shape us. Now, I'm not, I'm not dissing. I'm not like taking a stand on what channels you should watch. And all. What I am saying is, Every single one of us needs to make sure that the voices we listen to the most are the voices that are informed by God himself. Does that make sense? That there's gonna be moments in our life that we need friends that make us better. We need those kind of friends that when, when we're tempted to give up, they reach into us and they say, man, I see God doing something inside of you. We need friends that will make us stronger, that when we're tempted to give up, we need those kind of people that instead of saying, yeah, you're right, you should quit, that they would help us find strength. We need friends that love us enough that they would tell us the truth. We need those kind of friends because if we're not careful, we'll surround ourselves with the wrong kind of voices. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that, that, that there's wisdom in the counsel of many, but I would just say the, the footnote there is there's wisdom in the counsel of many if they're wise people. But if you surround yourself with people that, don't, that aren't informed by God's best for your life, if you surround yourself with people that are negative all the time, guess what? You're gonna become negative. If you surround yourself with people that bash their spouses all the time, chances are you're gonna become a person that bashes your spouse. If you're around somebody that, that cheats all the time, chances are over time, you're gonna be tempted to do that. I mean, I, I come back to that line, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if we wanna recalibrate, number one, we gotta be in the right place. Number two, we need to be with the right people. And then number three, condition number three of recalibrating is we need to be doing the right thing. We need to be doing the right thing. And so what are these people doing? This is a, a life-changing moment. This is when the gospel moves outside of Antioch and outside of Jerusalem, and it begins to spread throughout the known world. I mean, literally, we would not be able to gather here today if they said no in Acts 13. If Paul had said no, the church would not have spread and made it to here, to Sugar Hill. And so this is a big moment, but listen to what it says. Now, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius and Manian and Saul. And then listen to what it says in verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. So they're at this crossroads. They're trying to decide what does God want me to do? And the way that they heard his voice is they got laser focused they showed up and when they gathered together, did they hang out? Certainly, did they have fun together? Absolutely, but when they showed up, they were so hungry, they were so open to this idea that God wanted to do something in them and through them that what they did is they got laser focused and said, here's the two things we're gonna do. We're gonna worship the Lord and we're going to fast. We're gonna sing to him because the world doesn't revolve around us. It's not about our preferences. It's not about our desires. It's not about our agendas. It's about him. And so when they came together and they sang, they sang songs that focused their heads and their hearts on him. And then as they do that, it says, they were fasting. 
Fasting often is when somebody will give up something intentionally, either for a season or maybe even for a lifetime. A lot of times when we think about fasting, we think about food because a lot of people made a big deal about fasting from food. I've heard a lot of my friends that fast from social media or they'll fast from their cell phones or they'll fast from caffeine. Hector fasted from caffeine a couple years ago and we were praying, Lord, would you answer that prayer? He needs caffeine. I can say that because I need it too, right? But the, whether it's food, caffeine, sugar, whatever, the idea of fasting is it's we want to seek direction from God. Man, this is huge. Do we have that kind of expectation that God could speak? Do we have that kind of expectation that God could do something in us and through us? Do we, do, do we have that sense of purpose and destiny that God's not finished with us? Because here's what I'd say, we often get whatever we expect. We often get whatever we expect. It's sort of like when you buy a new car, suddenly you see that car everywhere. Isn't that true? Haven't you noticed that? You buy a car and then suddenly it seems like everybody has that car. Everybody has the same color. You get what you expect. And that can be a positive thing. And that can also be a negative thing. That if we're not careful, we'll just show up to church on Sundays with low expectation. We'll show up and be like, man, I just hope I beat other people to the restaurant today. Or I hope they sing a song that I like. Or I hope the sermon is, isn't too long. Or I hope that my class, whatever that is, you get what you expect. And so if we show up expecting little, well, of course we're going to get little out of it. But when we focus our heads and our hearts and say, God, I'm going to sing to you and God, I'm going to seek you. God, I'm going to, I'm going to drive out as many distractions as I can because I expect that you still speak and I want to hear your voice. I'm telling you, when we show up with that kind of expectation, it's amazing how God shows up. You've got a loving heavenly father that absolutely cares about you. And man, I'm telling you, if you show up to your heavenly father and you sing to him and you seek him with all that you have, man, I guarantee you, he's gonna listen to your prayer and he's gonna give you a response. And if we wanna recalibrate, we gotta be in the right place. We gotta be with the right people, allow the right voices in our life. We gotta be doing the right thing, seeking him, focusing on him, not, not low expectation, not, not nitpicking everything, but to realize our goal, my goal this morning is I want to hear from God. And then finally, number four, the last part of being recalibrated, number four is that we would show up with the right heart, with the right heart, that we'd have the right attitude. And I love this. And, and we're gonna talk about this more next week. I wish we had time to jot, drill down all the way into it, but here's what it says. There's prophets and teachers. And here's what it says in verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Set apart. So they hear God speak. God speaks into their life. I don't know what that area of your life is, but I believe God can speak into your life. And it says in verse three, look at this transition. Then... So verse two, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called them. Verse three, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. When they heard God speak, they had the heart to obey. 
in every one of our lives, there's a gap. And the gap isn't measured in inches. It's not measured in feet. It's not measured in yards. The gap that's in every single one of our lives is the gap between when we hear God speak and when we obey. And the goal of our lives is to close that gap. The goal is that we long, the longer we follow Jesus, the more we say yes to what his plan is for our life, that that gap would shrink from years to months, from months to weeks, from weeks to days, from days to hours, from hours to minutes, from minutes to seconds. And that we'd close the gap between what God says and how we obey. This morning, I don't, I, I don't know what that drift looks like in your life. I have no idea what that thing is that God asked you to do. But my prayer is that this morning, you would close the gap between what God has said, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to let go of bitterness, whether it's to forgive somebody that you don't think deserves it, whether it's to do like these four did this morning to say, I wanna be baptized, whether it's to love somebody that seems unloved. I don't know what that is for you, but I guarantee you, God has a plan for your life. And if you could see that plan, I guarantee you, you don't want to miss it. Would you bow your heads this morning? Would you close your eyes? And as we pray, as I pray out loud, I wanna invite you to pray where you're at in your seat. It could be this morning as you pray, you know Christ personally. There's been an Acts 9 moment for you. Your life has been changed, but you're living in that gap between chapter 9 and chapter 13, between being saved and being sent and knowing what that thing is God has asked you to do. If that's you, would you just acknowledge that in your prayers this morning? Would you just say, dear Jesus, there's this gap and just tell them what it is. Whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness, whether it's baptism, whether it's giving to some cause, something. I, I don't know what it is. Loving somebody, not giving up, on, whatever that is. You should tell them, God, I recognize there's this gap. God, would you help me to close the gap today? Just ask him, God, would you help me to know how to close that gap? Maybe, maybe there's some tangible things that need to happen that you need to get plugged in to a group where you've got other voices that are speaking truth into your life. It could be you need to be baptized. There's never been that next step. It could be there's some place you need to serve. I, I don't know that, but ask him, God, would you help me to know how to, clear, how to close that gap? And maybe for you this morning, there's never been that moment of Acts 9 where you've been saved. Maybe for you, that's where you wanna to start today and just say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross and I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Father, I pray all across this room you'd help us to recalibrate. Help us to know what you want us to do. Help us to obey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.